Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We are talking taxes this morning. Well, tax and financial matters for self-employed. I'm joined by Mike McDonough of Nielsen McDonough & Company. Mike's a CPA. Uh, he has an office in Marshfield and they do personal returns, business returns, bookkeeping, what about I'm missing CFO. corporate type stuff, yeah, CFO, CFO type, type stuff. Type yep, work. thank you. Uh, and also, my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, zooming in from home. Good morning. Morning from uh, my from my home office, uh, which, based on Mike's description, would not qualify because there is so much other crap in this room. It, it could not be yeah. considered the, the only the, use of this space. The drum set, and now, now you've gone and documented it. Good <laughs> on, job. On air, yes. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, so good morning. And um, yeah, your audio, does Does Kirk's audio sound not as great today? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's be- a little muddy. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, Kirk's still using a laptop that we've been meaning to oh, replace for a long time. it's an old laptop. It's very oh. old. And we have one on order, well, but... I, I tried to use my, my PC, you know, and oh. Tim was giving me grief about the Echo, so I uh, But it wasn't you, Kirk. Uh, I'm sorry for Mike. the grief. We determined uh-huh. the audio issues were, it was Mike's yes. fault. Wink, Nothing wink. to see oh. here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Please who's disperse. The, uh, who's Move the along. new guy? <laughs> I, I missed 
I missed oh, that. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, but we like having Mike here because he knows all about taxes and he's a chatty guy and it always makes for good radio. So thanks for being here, Mike. You're welcome. Um, Thank you, can you find for having out, me. You're, yeah, welcome. And uh, you can find out more about Mike and his practice if you're looking for a local CPA at nmcadvisors.com. Nielsen, McDonough and Company, nmcadvisors.com. Um, all right, we wanted to get into, uh, I thought it would be important or helpful to get into the guidelines or the requirements for how much of your either anticipated income or your prior year's income you're supposed to pay into the IRS through the course of the year, either via withholdings or if you're self-employed, quarterly tax payments, I guess, or both. Um, So if you could help us talk through that a little bit, just because we want to make sure that our listeners that are, you know, self-employed are, you know, are, are meeting those requirements and not having to pay penalties if they're not withholding or sending quarterlies, you know, sufficient amounts in via quarterly taxes. Mm-hmm. So if you could talk through that and and as well as, you know, the sort of that that's going to, you know, segue into the importance of setting aside X percentage of your, you know, earnings for tax purposes, et cetera. So um, I know there are some guidelines. I think it's either based on your anticipated annual earnings or a certain percentage of your prior year's earnings. Um, and you had mentioned off air that those, you know, change a little bit from year to year. So yeah. just ball park is fine for today. So so with taxes, everybody, everybody thinks April 15th is, you know, when you have to pay. And, and, and it's true, but they actually, it's a pay-as-you-go system. So they, that's why you have withholdings as you earn income, you know, as an employee. The IRS actually wants the money in as you earn it. Of course they do. They need some money to spend to run the, the exactly. country. Yeah. So, so they end up. So, so that's why you have the withholdings. So, uh, if you're self-employed, obviously you don't have withholdings. So, uh, self-employed meaning um, a- a- any of the the kind of entities that we talked about, uh, you know, separate from a, from a C corp, which actually does have quarterlies on the, you know, on the okay. corporate level. Okay. But the the IRS and DOR they want they want their dough, you know, regularly. So they want you to file uh, quarterly. Tax, uh, quarterly estimated tax payments. So a lot of people get confused too and think it's a tax return. It's not. You're it's just, just making a, a, a quarterly payment. You're just so. making a guess at what. Well, is a it's a your, guess, but it's yeah. it's an educated guess. You know, generally either based on what you think your income is going to be for that year or what your prior years was. Okay. Um, you know, if you have a steady income, you know, fairly up and down, then you know you could take whatever the whatever it is, um, whatever your and ending tax amount is, including like we talked about the uh, Social Security and Medicare, and essentially divide it by four and, and pay it off. You know, April fifteenth, June fifteenth. Um, September 15th okay. and um, and January 15th of, of, of the next year. Okay. Um, so those would be your quarterly payments. Um, you know, or a lot of times, basically, if you underpay, they will annualize your profit and say that you earned it rateably over the year. And they have calculations to go through that if you if you underpay it, you know there's there's an interest that they charge you on it. It's like three percent. It's not a you know not a huge amount at yeah. this point. And, and then if there's a big balance that you owe come April, there's also an interest you know percentage that they'll they'll hit you on. Okay. Unless you're paying. So what I what I try to recommend is at a minimum paying ninety percent of what the tax 
that you think is going to be due, but I okay. but over certain incomes you want to pay 110 um, percent in okay. order to cover you from from interest or withholdings because the IRS basically will say you know if you, if if you've paid in at least what you had for taxes last year. We're good, and 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 one hundred percent of your one hundred and ten percent is what I one hundred and ten percent of your tax burden last year. Good that good, that will cover good you. target. Okay, all right. You know, and, and you can use that. It, yeah. Go ahead, Kirk. Sorry. Uh, so like, so those those whatever that whatever that number is, it needs to be basically divvied up and divided by four and paid in over that rate. Or does it? I mean, is there are there certain deadlines or just? Um, well, you should. Oh yeah, it can you the, do like ten percent, ten percent, ten percent? No, because 70%? they're because they're, they yeah. they would. I mean, you can, but they would they they generally look at it as as earned rateably over the year. You know, um, equally over yeah, the year. Yeah, Pareto. Okay. Um, so <laughs> again, as the pay as you go. Now one trick around that is that we use sometimes is you do it if you own an escort you yeah. know you have to you get withholdings with your pay your w2 but then you should be paying quarterlies on top on of that on top of the profits okay but if if you at the end of the year take like a, a final paycheck and just put it all towards Withholdings, yeah. it can cover it that way sometimes. So instead of making it, 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 it the, yeah. the, it's almost like tricking it, but you essentially cover all your your uh, withholdings for the year just by the W two, and they're fine with it. So if you have W two earnings and you can withhold via the pay, payroll, right, and send yep. them in biweekly, and if you pay quarterly, I hate paying quarterlies. Mm -hmm. So this is why I'm asking that. Like if so, if so, I have some W two income and some. Uh, K one income from mm -hmm. the from our S corporation. So if if I were to withhold sufficiently on my W two income, like I could withhold half my pay or my mm -hmm. entire pay, for example. Yep. The IRS doesn't care where the withholdings come from logistically, right? They yeah, don't care if really. it comes from W two or if it comes from your quarterlies. Yep. I just I hate. I hate paying those quarterlies. But you I would could also have like it just come out of my at pay. the end of the year if you want to conserve cash to the end of the year. Yeah, you could run a larger payroll on December thirty first and have it all go towards you know withholdings. Okay, and it kind of comes out the same on the taxes. You don't end up owing any. You know, so in other words, if if you're completely self employed, you're, you should be paying quarterly, and they'll assign a little bit of interest for not paying on a quarterly basis. Yeah, but if you have a W two, oh, okay. and you blast it all in at the uh, at the last day of the a year they won't they won't oh interesting so they sort of like want it regularly but they're not going to penalize you if you well i th i think they just don't have the means to penalize sure. it because they're because, understaffed and, because yeah. it's because it only comes up if you know you underpaid it anyways type of thing so. right okay yeah i mean if you think that i mean it makes sense if you think about it i mean the government is running a you know a business of sorts and they can't really run that business if everyone sends all their money in between mm -hmm. you know february 15th and april 15th all at once and you know that's 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 hard to run a government that way. So they want their tax revenue throughout the course of the year, or at least the majority of it. So, okay. So you just said a good guideline is your either it, if some in some fashion, whether it's W two tax withholding or whether it's quarterly taxes, a good target is taking hundred and ten percent of what your taxes do work were due last year and pay that in over the course of mm -hmm. this year. And it'll all come out in the wash when you do your taxes anyway, whether you under or over withheld, but yep. at least you won't be penalized mm -hmm. for under withholding throughout the course of the year if you're targeting 110%. Even if your earnings were 200% of what yes. they were last year. Now you'll still have to pay the tax 
when when you file and you square right. up on April 15th, right, but you'll right. at least be covered that way. Right. So for people starting out or if people don't kind of want to do it that way because they're up and down, a kind of good rule of thumb is I say that, you know, then pay in, you know, 25 to 30% on the federal and 5% on the state of whatever you think your profit is for that that quarter. Okay. So, yeah. you, you know, you could do it that way as well. Okay. Um, and then for some, we were just talking about this off uh, off line. Yeah. That sometimes people, you know, they their first year in business, they just, they don't know what's going to go on. They don't withhold enough. They end up on a, a sizable amount in April. There's an, there's sometimes an option. You can, you can do an installment agreement with the IRS if you owe the money and they'll essentially, okay. it's, it's automatically accepted under certain income, uh, under certain, you know, tax um, obligation tax amounts. Burners. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, they charge you again a 3% interest. I say three, it hovers up and down. But, um, and you can spread that payment out over 72 months. And so, you know, I, I don't okay. love it because you're, you know, I'd rather see you pay taxes. You're paying and, your interest But at on the same it. time, you, somebody starting a company and all, and, you know, not really understanding. Because sometimes I, I don't end up talking to them if they're a new client until they're, the year's done. And all yeah. of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I owe $40,000 in taxes because I wasn't thinking about the Social Security and Medicare and all of that. You know, I don't either have the money or I don't know what this year is going to be, so I don't want to pay it out. And so we talk about the fact that you can kick the can down the road, essentially sign up and you file it within your individual income tax return. State you have to call them, so I usually try to have people pay off the state. Okay. But if you want to spread it out on the Fed from a from a cash flow perspective, you can do that. So what you want, I mean, so yeah, so what people want to do, well, people think about this differently. Like some people don't want to overpay in throughout the course of the year because they don't want to lend the government, you know, money and, and you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. letting the money, they're letting the government have the money where they could be earn, earning interest on it in the bank. Of course, there's no interest in the bank right now, so, so that doesn't really matter. The IRS will actually pay you, if you way overpay, they'll actually pay you interest. I did not know that. What do you mean by way overpay? Like $100,000? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, even, you know, if if you... if you I overpay, I, I don't know the um, the I don't know the threshold, but there, okay. there's amounts that they will they'll they'll cut you interest. They'll give you um, interest on overpayment. Or like you know, sometimes what happens is we file a tax return that's like two years old, and they're owed a, 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 a sizable amount of refunds, but for whatever reason they didn't file. They'll get interest on top of that once, okay. once we file and confirm it. And oh, they, once, once you've solidified what the amount is that the refund is, then they'll say, okay, well, you've had $10,000 and you should have filed April 15, 2018. So that's two years. So they'll give you interest on that. A couple percent or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I never heard about that. Um, even in today's world where there's no interest, maybe not like I mean, yeah, right. it's, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're no different than any other bank, you know? Okay. So, so the interest rates are obviously smaller, but. I mean, I just think a good way to do it is like, you know, you're going to, we know you're going to pay. I mean, I would just, someone, ha- they, you have to estimate what you're going to earn throughout the course of the year, right? You know, Google mm-hmm. search, you know, 2021 tax brackets, right? Figure out like where you're going to end up, what's your federal tax bracket. Add 15% to that for, you know, Social Security and Medicare taxes plus five for mass. And that's like what well, you, you should be Well, you don't want to look at the aside. bracket because that's only the last kind of dollar. That's the highest, yep. That, yep. You, that you've earned, you yep. know? So, but I, honestly. It would be an overestimate. Uh, yeah. You know, there's very few people that want to go through coming to the exact right amount. So I just say take 25%, 30% if you want to be more conservative. Okay. 
put that in, yeah. and that should cover you from federal and from Social Security and Medicare of, of of the profit. Or if you want to do it of the of the total earnings, you know that's obviously better. I mean, yeah. I like people overpaying in because then they don't yell at me, and I look smart when I get a <laughs> refund. And everyone loves their CPA when they're yeah. like, "You're getting a ten thousand yeah. dollar refund." <laughs> exactly. You know, you walk away. We could talk about that a little bit more, but um, no, but yeah, some people just do enjoy getting that refund at that time of year. Yeah. It's like you know, and then the it other feels thing like is, a little bit of a bonus, even though it was your money to begin with. When you but, get to tell yeah. somebody that they owe fifty thousand dollars, and you know, you want to cry, you know. So you, yeah. yeah, they might they might not work with you next year, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, anything else on, on that? I mean, so withhold, you know, more than. What you think you oh, should, Mike, maybe, Mike, or Mike, <laughs> you'll be good. Mike, you said you said about the you know that 110 percent uh, figure uh, is based on people that make over a certain amount. Yeah. Uh, what what is what is that? It's, it's like 150. I, I get a look. Honestly, it's like I always say. Yeah. You know, nowadays the information is so readily available and everything you look at that yeah. every time I, I I don't know what it is. It goes up based upon um, based upon uh, inflation and yeah, whatever. Man, so I'd have up. to yeah. I'd have to look. Um, when okay. I get asked it, so it's like our business too. Like, like our you know retirement contributions adjust upward every couple of years. Yeah, so, or so I gotta just like look at the to... amount. You, you know, it's there. You look at it and refamiliarize yourself with it because you're not doing. You know, yeah. It's like, you know, do you know your wife's cell phone number, or do you just hit? Do you hit it on the phone? I I, I don't remember phone Kirk numbers anymore. I know it. Kirk knows it. I know it. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the only phone number I know these days. <laughs> <laughs> and the and the office number. That's it. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, that's what irs.gov is for, which actually yeah. I think is a pretty user-friendly website. I think that there's some, obviously there's good information on there, but it's pretty easy to read and understand, I think. Some of, They've some of gotten that a stuff. lot, a lot better. Really, yeah. Um, yeah, I use that a lot for just references for our business and stuff too, but um, it strikes me as, oh, this is like, you know, uh, uh, I, for lack of a better word, a layman could, you know, uh, read that and understand most of it, which is really good. So irs.gov, little plug for them. Good job on that. All right. Anything else on that? I do want to get into retirement savings options mm -hmm. for self-employed because there are, there are a plethora of options there. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't need to get into the weeds regarding any of them, but we do have a whole nother 35 minutes to fill. So we can certainly um, spend some time on that. And um, this is a good topic because this is a good, um, and it's good that you're here because um, for self-employed people, depending on the retirement plan option they're choosing, oftentimes we need their tax preparer involved in those calculations mm -hmm. um, because some of them are based on their net I always call it net schedule C, yeah. right? Right, whatever that that, that self-employed schedule is there on your tax return. Um, it's some of the uh, the amount that you can contribute to some of these retirement plans is based on your tax calculation. So, um, I mean, and all of it is is based on some manner of income or and or profit, regardless. Right, I mean, uh, for retirement plans, yeah, I well, mean, yeah, I mean, except like traditional IRA or well, even that, yeah. you have to have earned. You have income. to have a six to seven thousand dollars of earned income. That's so, true. That's true. So you they're write, all based upon something. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, all right, so we just got a few minutes to, to sort of start that, and um, we could tick off some of the easier ones. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a common question that we get: is you know what, you know, either I'm self-employed or you know I run a small business. It's just me and my business partner, for example. What are my options with regard to? setting up a retirement plan and tucking money away in a, in a tax efficient or tax deferred way. And so just like, just to get some of the, the easier ones right off the bat there, anyone uh, who's, who has earned income, I'll, I'll, uh, 
cl- uh, uh, clarify this in a minute, but anyone who has earned income can contribute to an IRA. You don't have to be self-employed to contribute to an IRA or a Roth IRA. Um, that So that's available to a self-employed person as well, but that's also available, uh, there are limitations on it to other uh, people that have earned income. Like for example, yeah. if you, you know, if you're self-employed and you make uh, over $6,000, you can put up to $6,000 in an IRA if you're under the age of 50, or if you're over the age of 50, you can put $7,000 in. That's for 20 and 21. Those amounts didn't change for 2021. Um, you can also do that if you're a, a, a worker or an employee of a business and you don't have a 401k through that business. Sometimes, Or, or if you make a certain amount under, even if you're a part of that plan, you could still you can still put it in. Yeah. I'd have to look at the numbers. Yeah, th- those are some I complex cal- to, calculations if you're contributing to both. Yeah, you could do that. And, or yeah. you could have a spousal, you know, yep. even if they're not yep. working, if your spouse is not working. So there's, there's a, a plethora of, yeah. of rules. There's tons of them, but th- there are a plethora of rules. But like an IRA is just simple. You, if you're, if you want something... I shouldn't use the word simple because that's actually the name of one of the retirement plans. But uh, if you want something sort of easy and you're not looking to put a whole lot of money in there, if six to $7,000, depending on your age is- uh, oh, That's if, a lot of money to some people. If so. you were you putting, you know, if you weren't gonna be putting more than that in any way, you could just open up an IRA. You can contribute to that, take a deduction if you're putting money into the mm-hmm. IRA. Um, well, it's uh, also a cheaper, it's a, it's a cheaper yep. cost to maintain the plan. Right rather than something that's set up that's tied to your business. Correct, right. With an IRA and a Roth IRA, there's no employer cost to set up the plan. Correct. That's just a personal retirement account. It's a, it's an individual retirement account. Um, with a Roth, you don't get the tax deduction, but it's tax-free later. With the traditional IRA, you get the tax deduction, but you pay taxes on that later. So, so anyone can do that. You can't, not everyone, I, sh- I should say anyone can do that, whether you're self-employed or whether you are an employee. But again, if, you ha- if you're contributing to a 401k, like if you're maxing a 401k through an employer, you can't also make an, an a deductible IRA contribution or some people mm-hmm. can't deduct their full IRA contribution. So there, there's lots of, we don't need to get into the weeds on that, but um, that's available to anyone. Um, easy to set up, uh, no cost on the employer side. Um, I let's. What's the next easiest one? None of the, none of them are yeah. easy. So. Now, now, I mean, the next step up would be the SEP. The sim- then there's the simple the SEP and the solo K. Yeah. Um, and we can get into some of those details maybe after the break. But, um, you know, I, I, well, I guess we'll start with the SEP. Um, the SEP is a self-employed pension. And that is available to uh, e- either if you're self if you're self-employed, it's available to you as a, as a one person plan. If you are self-employed and you have employees, it's also available to you and your employees. But what's really, really important about the SEP, SEP IRA, is that it's the contributions that go into the SEP are employer contributions. Now there's a whole, some of them you can allow personal contribution as well. But when you're, when it, like if you're a self-employed person, you can put, and you have no employees, it's just you, you can put, I don't know if it's approximately or exactly 20% of your net business earnings into a SEP. There's a cap of $57,000. So there, yeah. there is a cap there's on a, that. But there's a calculation you go through, but it comes out to about Yeah, 20, it comes 20%. out to about 20%. Yeah. And I think it's not exact. You have to like deduct your... Oh, we have only a minute. Okay. Um, so there are some calculations that go into that. But depending on your amount of earnings, like if you make $100,000 after your business expenses, you can get more money into a SEP 
than you can an IRA or a Roth IRA. So that's one of the great things about it is that you can tuck a bunch more money in there if you make more money mm-hmm. and that 20% is a bigger number than six or $7,000. What What's not great about the SEP is if you have employees, you have to make that same, not the same dollar amount, but as a percentage of gross earnings, the same contribution to your employees. So if you're putting 20% of your, uh, of, uh, or, you know, if, for example, you're putting 10% of your earnings into a SEP, if you make 100,000 and you're putting 10% in for yourself, and if you have employees, you have to put 10% of their gross earnings into their SEP as well. So that gets a little tricky if, if you have employees and you just have to be comfortable with that. Um, but I'll get into that. I want to get into that in a little bit more detail after the break because that is a common one and I think it's rightfully so, but there are some things to think about in that regard. Um, You're listening to McNamara on Money. Uh, We're just taking a quick break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. We're talking with Mike McDonough, Nielsen McDonough and Company, and we'll be right back. And we're back. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Uh, we're talking uh, for uh, tax and financial matters for self-employed persons today. I'm joined by a local CPA, Mike McDonough of Nielsen McDonough and Company. Mike has an office in Marshfield and temporarily in Situate, Mass. You can find out more about him at nmcadvisors.com. Well, Situate is uh, a retiring CPA. So Should we, I stop saying that? Yeah, we won't be uh, <laughs> that won't be a manned office, so to speak. We're okay. just we're kind of keeping it open while we while we try to um, transition some of the clients from a retiring CPA. Okay, so. so Marshfield. All right. Well, thank you for being here this morning. Um, I think that I've done. We've done a self-employed person's show before. I think it. Well, I always think our shows are helpful and informative. But um, yeah, I, I just I know a lot of people that have even if they're not fully self-employed have some sort of self-employed earnings um, in addition to perhaps W-2 earnings from an employer. And and I just think that's real common these days, right? We're living in the gig economy, right? So uh, lots of people have self-employed income, have, have, yeah, self-employed earnings. So hopefully a good topic. If anyone has questions for us, if you're listening on the South Shore, 781-837-4900, if you have questions for us. I wanted to just continue along a little bit on retirement plan options for self-employed because there are a lot and there are ways for self-employed individuals to get a good chunk of their earnings into retirement accounts and and take tax deductions on that and and get money into a tax-deferred investment vehicle. So I just wanted to the, the SEP, S-E-P, is, it stands for self-employed pension. It's, um, but it's, it's a, not a pension. But it's not a pension, right? It's a defined contribution plan, yeah. not a pension. But it, right? Am I wrong? No, it does stand for self-employed pension. Where's Kirk to fact check me on all these things? Um, I'm left. like 99% sure that that's what it stands for. But it's a, it's a good one because you can put, if you're self-employed, you can put about 20% of your net business earnings after your business deductions, of course, but um, you can put about 20% away in a retirement plan and um, take a tax deduction on that. So it's a, it's a good option if 20%, if, if you can and want to be saving. Simplified you know. employee pension. Oh, what did I say? Did I say simple, simplified employee pension? Maybe I had that first word wrong. Oh, I called it a self-employed pension. Thank you, yeah. Tim. 
simplified employee pension. Yeah, so you can get a bunch of money in there if you make a bunch of money and if you have the ability to tuck that money away, of course, when it comes to your, you know, factoring in your personal cash flow mm-hmm. and situation, of course. But mm-hmm. I always caution people that that if you have employees, you have to make contributions on their behalf and it has to be pro rata, whatever percentage of your earnings you're putting in the SEP, you have to put the same percentage of your employees' earnings into the SEP. So I, I And think that's this, the same with, with almost every plan. You, you can't you can't discriminate. Discriminate. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think the SEP works well if you employ your family, for example, like if you if it's you and your spouse or you and your adult kids or whatever, I think that that works well because generally like if you wanted to tuck 10 or 15% of your gross earnings into um, a retirement plan, maybe you'd be okay putting 10 or 15% away uh, f- from the empl- as an employer contribution for your family. But a 10 or 15% contribution for an employee is very generous and generally on the very high side of what companies do for their employees these days, um, but I but and, and you certainly can do that, and and we have some businesses that do that. But I just think it works exceptionally well if it's if you're running a business with your family, um, because generally speaking, and uh, you're you're okay with that. Even if that contribution is on the high side, you're okay with that. Not that we need to you know be exclusive there and say it's just for family. I just think it happens to work well there. So so that's that's a good one. That's a common one uh, for self-employed people again because the limits are high because there's not a an annual cost to the employer to maintain the plan. I think you just fight, you know, you file a document with the IRS and um, and it's there's no record keeping extra cost uh, similar to what employers have when they maintain a 401k plan. That's a little bit different and there are costs associated with that. So SEP is really uh, popular and great for someone who is self-employed and just him or her. There's also a um, so I want to get into 401ks a little bit and simples, which is a saving simple is capital S I M P L A savings incentive match plan for employees. Um, a simple is I call it like a 401k for small businesses. It's you have to have a hundred or fewer employees, so it's really t- uh, geared toward small businesses. Um, and the idea, I think, is that it's a lower cost way for small businesses to offer a retirement plan to their employees. So this can work for you know a self-employed person or someone who has just a couple of employees, um, all the way up to small businesses with a hundred employees. What's great about the um, the simple is that it is, it, it's not, it is, it is simple in, in, in that it's easy for an employer to maintain. They file a document with the IRS that there's no record keeping costs like a 401k. Um, the limits are higher in uh, the, the employee contribution limits are higher than a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. Those limits are 6000 or $7,000 if you're over age 50. But with a simple, you can put $13,500 in there as an employee contribution, otherwise known as a salary deferral. And that's if you're under age 50. If you're 50 or older, you can put up to $16,500 as an employee salary deferral contribution to a simple. So the limits are fairly high, certainly higher than um, the IRA, traditional IRA and Roth IRA limits. Um, and they're fairly 
again, simple and easy for an employer to maintain. There are some matching requirements. So if you're self-employed and you have a couple of employees and you want to set up a simple, um, you should just uh, be aware that you do have to make relatively small matching contributions to your employees. uh, And you have two options there. Um, One option is you can contribute 2% of everyone's gross earnings into their simple for everyone, whether or not they contribute to the plan. Or you can contribute up to 3% if that employee contributes to the plan. So you get to make a choice of, am I gonna contribute 3% to my employees that are, if you have employees, that are contributing, in other words, incentivizing them to contribute their own money, and then the employer matches a little bit higher, or you can do what's called a 2% um, what is it, non-elective contribution. So, or you contribute 2% for everyone, every employee, even if they're not putting their own money in. I would say most people do the 3% matching contribution because they want to encourage their employees to also put their own money in. So, but that's a you know relatively small, you know, mandatory contribution on the employer side. And you can you can get a good amount of money in there for yourself and, and for your employees. So those are again, there's no like annual record keeping cost to the employer, you know, 401ks can get quite costly to maintain. And so the simple is really meant to be like a low cost um, way to provide uh, a retirement plan to you and your employees. And and this works for um, self-employed as well. Question? One of the things you need to consider though, when looking at those is, and they're all kind of taxed differently with the state. So like uh, SEPs, you don't get an SEP. You don't get a deduction on state That's right. taxes. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, I always encourage people to make sure that they don't ever commingle anything. I always tell people always have separate plans for everything. You know, even if they if, even if they get something from an employee employer and they rolled it over, put it into a separate IRA. Yeah. Even if it's so, the same thing with SEPs because what happens is as people kind of move from different accountants to different accountants, so they, you kind of forget the fact that. Hey, that that was never taxed to begin with. So, so the yep. fact that there's no deduction on it means that some of it's tax free as well. Yeah. Uh, by way of you know you, you put the basis in. Um, so there's forms to fill out on the state returns, um, but that has to go into the into consideration on whether you do you know if you have an S corporation and you form an S corporation, creating a plan through that might cost a little bit extra, but you also will get the um, at least on the you, you'll get the deduction from the state on the contributions. Okay. Versus not getting them on certain SEPs, so yeah. there's, there's there's a balance. That's interesting, and I don't hear a lot of we don't we don't get a lot of questions from CPAs in this regard, but we do always make a habit of keeping rollover money, like from mm-hmm. a 401k, separate from IRA money. Mm-hmm. And, and the IRA money includes SEP IRAs. The, the SEP is an IRA. Mm-hmm. Um, you just happen to be able to make employer contributions to that IRA. But yeah, that's a, that's a good point because in Massachusetts, a rollover, when you take a withdrawal, is taxed differently from an IRA. In well, that, I mean, right? if, if the, well, if the rollover came from an employer, right, then it's it's no different than if you set up your own IRA in certain. Um, I, I'm sorry, if you had a 401k, right, right, um, because you. But but the limitations on deducting contributions to certain retirement plans yep. on the state make it so that when you're actually now it comes tax time, yeah, and you're taking the money out. 
you have basis in some of those plans at the, for the state for return. the state. Yeah. So you don't have to pay taxes. It's 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 similar in a way to how um, state and and local uh, employees, teachers, firefighters, uh, police, their pensions um, and the amounts that they put aside for retirement are not deducted on their uh, from their state taxable wages. Okay. But it's allowed on their federal. So when you get a 1099 from a former police officer or, or teacher, you from a tax perspective, you want to make sure that you're not um, having them pay taxes because it's that that comes tax free to the state. You have to pay taxes on it in the Fed because you get the deduction up front. But you yeah. don't have to pay taxes on it to the state because you've already essentially paid, paid taxes. It. Same thing with traditional IRAs. With, yeah. Except it, it, IRAs. Yep. Right. So translation, if you have IRA money, which is money where you just make an IRA contribution y- yourself, not through an employer, keep that money separate from money that you roll Mm-hmm. Keep that money separate from 401k or rollover IRA money, which is money that you roll. And, and remember 401k. it too, yeah. because if you, you know, if it's not being tracked by your, your accountant, then you, you need to make sure that you remember that. Kirk has a question. He's raising his hand. Okay. What happens, Mike, if you move out of Massachusetts? Oh, that's a good question. That's a so good a lot question. of state will have re- reciprocity. Reciprocity. I can't ever say that word. <laughs> that's a hard word. You know, they'll allow, especially for like state. You know, workers. If if, yeah. if the state that you were in didn't tax it, they're not going to tax you on it. If this, okay. So if you move to, I don't know, Vermont. I had to Carolina. do that with a with oh, a cop okay. that moved to Vermont, a state uh, trooper that moved retired, moved to Vermont, and his he wasn't taxed on it. Okay. Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Like we have a lot of clients. Well, in Florida, like a lot of clients move to Florida, but that they don't have state income taxes anyway. But like, I don't know, does South Carolina have state income taxes? I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. Yeah, I I wasn't sure how that worked. That's interesting. Yeah. So 401k distributions and rollovers from 401ks, those are all taxed federal and state on the way out. Yes, because they were deducted on the way in. Because they were deducted on the way in, which is not the case for... Uh, traditional IRA contributions. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an interesting point. A lot of people yeah. forget that. Uh, yeah. So, so, Mike, I got another another question, like regarding like the basis. So, like just recently, I had a client ask because he has like a you know a significant uh, rollover, uh, and then he has a you know a relatively smaller traditional IRA, and you know we suggested that he keep them separate uh, for that for this reason. Uh, but I mean, we inherited, you know, this IRA, you know, long after he had made the contributions. And I mean, so we don't, you know, we don't know what the basis is. And I mean, the other day he was just asking about combining them, right. Just to kind of like simplify his life. And so, you know, I was trying to explain, you know, why, you know, why we kept them separate to begin with. But I mean, if, if he doesn't know the basis and if, if his accountant doesn't know the basis and they're not, and they're not taking advantage of it, then. I mean, there's no, there is no reason to keep them separate. But how do, how do you go backwards and, and determine what that basis is? If, if you never kept track of it, is it, is it worth it? Is it? Well, so with the IRA, what you're, what you're thinking about, and when, when, when you talk about basis, it's essentially saying what portion of that contribution to the IRA was not allowed as a deduction when yeah. they filed the taxes when they originally put the money in. Yeah. Right. So. You know, sometimes what I'll ask is, you know, were they part of a employer-sponsored plan throughout most of their life? Then you can, you know, perhaps make the assumption that that what they that almost all of the uh, contributions to the IRA 
are were with post tax dollars. Essentially, they didn't get the deduction. You can um, maybe make that assumption and use that, um, knowing they had it for twenty years and knowing that you know it was it's seven grand a year now. It was five grand a year then. Yeah. Because, because years and to, years to, ago to clarify, you can yeah. make a you can make you can still make um, a contribution to an IRA up to that limit, you just might not get the deduction. So some people still did it, especially before there were Roth IRAs, they would just do it. To get the tax deferral on the earnings. To get the tax deferral on the earnings. So the contributions that they made to the IRA were non-deducted, so they shouldn't have to pay taxes twice. So the answer is, you know, if we file a tax return that has a situation like that, and thankfully they don't come around all, you know, a lot. Yeah. Um, Mm Yeah. You know, one option is pay the taxes because you don't have any clue if you deducted it or not. <laughs> right. I don't like that one. And if one. you get audited, you have no proof that there was any yeah. basis. So, right? so yeah. the most conservative thing is to take it twice. But yeah. I'm more of a yeah. it's it's only Make a penalty if the ref blows the blows the whistle type of <laughs> type of guy. So you know what? Um, you just hey. you, you know. So I, I would I would come up with a reasonable. Not saying you would lie, but come up with a reasonable yeah, reason yeah. for saying that yeah. you didn't get the deductions and then take it. And then, you know what the worst case is, is they come back and tell you you owe the taxes. I mean, you can make an educated guess on what the basis probably was, yeah. right? Based on current value and, you know, uh, you know, well, you value, can just take a, a present value. Calculate. You don't even have yeah. to do that because yeah. you only need a portion of what the, you know, the value is yeah. versus what the, you know, what, what the, um, the, the, the growth, I'm sorry, what the basis was. And it's that percentage that you take, you know, you put in. So, so when you take that money out, you know, you're taking a $10,000 distribution. How, how much of that distribution is basis is, is what they look at yeah. um, as a percentage of the whole pie. Right. So, right. so you would go back and say, okay, well, back in the day it was $4,000. So, so from 1980, and I'm making this up, I have no idea. Um, from 1980 to 1985, it was, it, you were allowed to put $4,000 in. And if we assume you had a job and you were working and, um, and, and you were part of a pension plan, then that $4,000 for those five years is was not able to be deducted on your taxes. So we're going to say you have 20,000 from that time period. Yeah. Then in 1985, it went up to, you know, $5,000. So for the next 5 years, you're $5,000 and we can reconstruct it yeah. that way. And that's yeah. what we've done. I mean, that's similar to like how we make, you know, educated guesses on uh, guesses on basis for mm-hmm. someone that's had a stock position for like 40 years, right? Yeah. I mean, you could go back and just, you know, make an educated guess on um uh, you know what? What based on what the price was at that time, et cetera. I mean, yeah. I mean, um, I think that's probably fairly common. Um, all when, right, but we're getting do, into the week. You, yeah, go ahead. Well, I know, but I, I know, but I think I think I find it interesting. Yeah. Um, What's that? So like, so when somebody takes a distribution, Mike, and there is basis involved, the is the distribution kind of look uh, as far as the basis and growth does that come out proportionately it's there's different rules for different types of of plans and whether they're like a life insurance type rollover there's all different types of rules there's a for for the traditional yeah it would be proportionate but then there's there's other ones where it says basis comes out first and you don't pay anything you know what did you lose mike mike has lost something and he's he's looking looking. how do you lose your phone Um, yeah, anyway. Okay, so um, anything else on that, Kirk? We have like, you know, seven or eight minutes here. I just want to wrap up and... Hi, Callie. Uh, uh, wrap up um, tax and financial matters for the self-employed. Um, anything- did you talk about... Did you talk about like solo caves yet? Were you going to do that? We... we you I sleep don't have- when we did that? 
<laughs> I just don't have what? a ton of experience. Were you snoozing when we did yeah. that? Um, I maybe. Yeah. You know <laughs> he what? was babysitting. I, I had to go upstairs and then everybody needed something. Yeah. <laughs> um, we didn't talk about solo Ks. They're not super common in my experience. Anyway, I don't have a ton of experience with them. I know that um, like with a okay. solo. Yeah. I mean, with a solo, I mean, you brought it up, but there there is an ability for a self-employed person to set up what's called a solo K, which is a 401k for a single person. And... It's my understanding that when it's just one person participating in that solo K, that there are not the same, you know, annual record keeping and compliance costs that an that a larger employer would have that has a 401k plan. If you if you're an employer and you're offering a 401k plan to all of your employees, there's a cost for you to maintain that uh, plan. There's compliance requirements. There's Tax documents returns. that need to be filed. There, you know, that they, the IRS needs to know that you're complying with all the rules and regulations regarding a 401k. They don't allow plans to be what's called top heavy, meaning the executives and the highly compensated people are putting a bunch of money into the 401k. And then, you know, for example, the worker bees aren't putting any money into the 401k because maybe they're not being paid enough to do that. Right. So, so the IRS uh, puts rules in, has put rules in place. Place, or the government, excuse me, has put rules in place to avoid that, those plans being top heavy. Um, they're trying to even things out there um, with regard to, well, compensation and, and how businesses, you know, run and pay their employees and stuff like that. So, but with a solo K where it's just the one person, there's no testing that needs to be done to compare one person's contribution to the other. So you can avoid that if you're a, um, if it's just a single person. Having said that, if you do that, you know, later hire employees, then, then, then it becomes a 401k that would need to be tested and there's costs for that. But yeah, with a, with a 401k, there are higher contribution limits and you know, you can match your contributions similar to what you can, you can match your employee deferrals similar to how you can do that in a simple, you can do profit sharing. There's, it, it's more flexible in that regard and you can get a lot of money in there, certainly more than you can in like a, an IRA, more than you can get into a simple, but, but I think it becomes, yeah, it begs the question, you know, will you ever hire? someone and and are you okay with with the costs associated with me with maintaining that plan if that happens and when people ask me about them a lot of times uh, I'll say you know how much are you thinking you're gonna that's the first question I ask because if you know if if they're literally thinking they're just gonna put in five thousand dollars I say then just do just an do IRA. an IRA yeah save, so the, save the cost and just do that yeah and you don't have to set up any plan it's just you literally just open mm -hmm. an IRA somewhere and, and, and understand it's easy. yeah one point to to clarify is that, you know, uh, uh, under some of these plans, a portion of what you pay for the employee or what you're paying for the employees, you get a you get a deduction from your income. I mean, from your profit. Whereas most of these, it's it's what we call you, you know it, it's a it's a separate deduction against your income, but not your profit. So in other words, yeah, you figure okay. your profit for the yeah. Schedule C, and some of the stuff's driven off of that. The the, the matching contributions are yes. driven off of that. Yeah, yeah. So so there's just some different rules around that. Yeah, uh, just real quick, and I didn't I forgot to look up the specifics on this regard. There are some incentives now for employers, like if you're self-employed and you have like one or two employees, mm -hmm. there are some incentives now to set up a retirement retirement plan for your employees and offer that to them. And that I was part of the more. CARES Act. And there's there number one, there are some tax incentives right now to to start 
a retirement plan and offer that to your employees. If you have employees, I don't think that there's an incentive to open it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have employees, I'm pretty sure, to get to qualify for that. There's also some tax incentives right now to set up what they call auto enrollment in retirement plans, where um, they basically they're just they're just trying to get you know encourage the masses really to start saving their you know their own money for retirement, encouraging that. So there's now some tax uh, benefits as a result of I believe it was the CARES Act earlier yeah. this year that rolled out some incentives to small business owners to or business owners excuse me to offer retirement plans and set up auto enrollment in those plans to get people contributing. So those are relatively small in the in the in the hundreds of yeah. dollars range each. They're not going to drive but, your decision. But yeah, but nice... you, but just a small thing like for example we have a retire we have a 401k for our employees and we've had that for a long time but we didn't have auto enrollment set up so we we set up auto enrollment effective this year so we'll get that you know mm-hmm. small tax credit for next year I think it was like 300 bucks or something like that but hey that's 300 bucks and you know to set up auto enrollment is not a bad thing you just notify your employees that you're automatically going to be enrolled you can of course opt out mm-hmm. but it's you know it's just to encourage it's just to it's just another way for the government to encourage people to save their own money and and not be fully reliant on the government and social security and and all those things so you know nothing in my opinion nothing wrong with that um nope all right, so we just got a couple more minutes. That was good. That was a lot of good information. And I'll just give you an opportunity, Mike, uh, real quick to give out your contact information. Again, we're talking with, we have been talking with Mike McDonough, who's a CPA uh, right here in Marshfield. Uh, his business is Nielsen McDonough and Company. His website is nmcadvisors.com. And he's looking at his business card to give out the contact yeah, well, information. The, uh, so I apparently. always forget the 866 <laughs> number. So if, if you want to reach us, you can, um, you know, either find us on the web and email us, or you can uh, call us at 866-713-0419. And maybe just give out that number one more time in case people were I repeat, rushing. 866-713-0419. That's funny. Hey, he was testing you to see if you knew my cell phone number, Kirk. He doesn't even know his own business number. <laughs> he was just looking at his business card. I just wanted to make sure I had it. Unbelievable. Um, I, I I still remember every phone number from every kid I grew up with. Though. I, I actually recently pulled out a business card to look up our fax number because I feel like people don't Nobody fax anymore, but people still do fax. But it wasn't on the business card. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, where's our fax number? I don't even think it's on the website. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Mike McDonough, Nielsen McDonough and Company, for being here today. Uh, we were talking about lots of issues for self-employed persons. Hopefully that was helpful. You can find out more about us at McNamaraFinancial.com or McNamaraOnMoney.com. Uh, thanks for listening to McNamara On Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined by my husband and business partner, pretty much as always, uh, Kirk Reed. And we hope that was informative. Enjoy the weekend, everybody, and stay well. Take care. Bye-bye.